Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and today we are bringing you one of the most widely requested topics that I have gotten since I've started the Everyday Ultra Podcast, and that is an episode all around gear recommendation. Now, there are so many different brands and gear and tools and clothing uh, when it comes to the world of ultra running that it can get super, super overwhelming on which one should I pick? which brand should I try and hell like you can spend so much money just doing trial and error on different things um, just to find the one thing that really works for you and the one thing that's going to fit into your training your races your ultra lifestyle whatever that may look like for you and I want to make sure that you're not going through and wasting all that money or time or browsing or anything that is just annoying when it comes to finding uh, gear in your journey. So whether you are a seasoned ultra runner and you're looking for new gear tips or you're just starting out on your ultra endurance journey, this is going to be my guide to A, the essential gear that you need and the brands that I recommend. Now, I want to make a disclaimer here. I have zero financial ties to any company that I am recommending here. I'm not sponsored by anyone. No one's paying me to recommend these things. These recommendations are all based on my usage of these different products. So I've used these products in my own ultra training. And trust me, I've gone through the trial of error of trying different shoes and different packs and different nutrition and oh my gosh, the whole nine yards. Um, But I'm in a place right now where I have a pretty comfortable system in terms of the gear that I use. So no financial obligations. There's no advertisements here. None of that crap. This is just my word, my tried and true gear list of what I recommend to you um, in your own ultra endurance career. Now, another disclaimer that I want to make, and I always say this um, as well uh, when it comes to any of my recommendations, is that when it comes to gear two, uh, you know, don't just take my word for it. Also try to see if there's things that are better out for you. So for example, you know, if I recommend a shoe and you try it out and it might not be the best option, um, totally understandable. Like, uh, my goal is to just give you what's worked for me in hopes that, uh, it gives you more clarity on a, on the next decision that you're going to make in your gear journey. Or maybe you're looking to switch something up and you're not sure where to start. Like I want to give you that first direction because because I've tried it, I've used it, and uh, hopefully that's valuable to you. But in the end of the day, like if you try out something uh, and it just isn't for you, that's totally okay. Like, listen, everybody has their own preferences and everything, but I'm going to give you what's worked for me. And uh, I'm not saying it's the best on the market, but I'm just saying it's worked for me and hopefully it works for you. But enough of the disclaimers. Let's just jump right into the episode. Now, how I'm going to do this is I'm going to break it down into a few different ways. The first thing is I'm going to give the area of gear that you need or that we're going to talk about. And notice how I said need in there. So everything here is going to be basically essentials on the gear that you need. Now at the end of the episode, I'll kind of talk about some nice to haves where things you don't necessarily need on your endurance journey, but might be useful to have if you have the extra money or you're willing to spend it or you think you'll need it, um, anything on that. But the meat and potatoes of this episode is going to be on essential gear. So I'm going to give you two brand options within each category that I lay out. And what I mean by that is I'm going to give you number one, which will be like my prime pick, and then number two, which will be an alternative pick. Now, the alternative pick will either be something that I like equally or maybe something that's a little cheaper if you're looking for a little bit more of a value play because I understand everyone's on different budgets and can't afford always the number one option that I might be saying in there um, or just might not be willing to spend that money, right? Again, personal preference, um, but no, again, everything I recommend is going to be tried and true. So that's going to be the format of the episode. Let's stop BS and we'll get right into it. Okay. So the first item that is essential is 
and it's an obvious one, running shoes. Now, we're going to specifically talk about road shoes and trail shoes here too, um, because I understand there's, you know, different trainings, and especially even if you're a trail runner, it's good to get some road work in as well. So what we're going to start with though is trail shoes. So you definitely need a pair of trail shoes if you're trail running, no doubt about it. Uh, and you know, uh, it just gonna, it's going to give you better grip. It's going to give you better traction. They're probably going to be more waterproof than your road shoes. They're going to last longer. They're going to be able to withstand the tr- the rugged terrain of trails. Bottom line, if you're going to be trail running, get a pair of trail shoes. Now, my number one recommended shoe and the shoe that I'm currently running with on the trails is the Hoka Speedgoat 4. Now, the Hoka Spigo 4 is a very, very popular shoe. Um, the reason why I started to get into it is because I heard so many great, great things about the Hoka Spigo 4 um, in the trail running community from professional trail runners to people who are seasoned veterans in the sport and using it. Um, I wanted to go to the Hoka Speedgoat 4. Now, the thing to note about the Speedgoat 4 and basically any other Hoka shoe is that they're very cushioned. Now, originally, when I first started out in uh, trying different shoes out, I didn't like as much cushion. I kind of liked the more responsive feel, uh, closer foot to the ground. I kind of liked that a little more. But when I moved out to Arizona, the trails uh, got a little bit more rocky, a little bit more jagged that each of those little rocks, like I would feel in there. So when I switched to the Speedgo 4s, now I don't really feel those jagged, those rocky those sharp things like pinching at my feet every time I'm running and I feel much more confident on the trails um so that's why I really like the speed go for is like it has this cushion where you can fly almost on any terrain comfortably in a way that really really is going to um allow you to have a lot of confidence on the trail and it doesn't feel like moon boots like you know I think a big concern with cushion shoes is that like you know it, it you're going to feel like you're wearing like clouds on your feet, which to some people is great to some people it's not. Um, but I don't feel like it's overly cushioned to the point where it's like so ridiculous. I like a shoe personally where I feel like I'm not wearing it. And I get that with the Hocus Speedgoat 4, um, which is nice. So I really like that shoe. It's great. It helps me on incline. It helps me on rocky trails. It helps me uh, get more confidence and it's a super, super comfortable shoe. Now, uh, one thing I will say is I've really only been running in the Speedgoat 4 for about three to four weeks at this point. So it's tough for me to say like how long the shoe will actually last. Will it wear up and all those things? I've heard very good things about durability on it in the past though. So, um, as of now, take, take my word for that. Um, but, uh, again, I I'll probably do an update on this, you know, in, in a few, um, weeks or so when I get more miles in, but the Hocus Speedgo 4 is a great place to start. Now the alternate choice for you, I would say, check out the Innovate Terra Ultra G270 shoe. Um, so I actually was a big gung-ho Innovate fan for probably about, you know, two years, most of my ultra running career. And if you look at the podcast cover uh, for this episode, I'm actually wearing Innovate shoes in my first 50 mile race. Uh, Innovate is freaking awesome. Uh, It is a very underrated brand here in the States. I know it's more big in Europe, I believe. Um, But man, the shoe is excellent. Um, It's rugged. It holds up very, very well. Uh, It's very, very comfortable um, in terms of just feeling like you're not even wearing a shoe. And keeps you nice and low to the ground to give that responsive feel um and they're they're i mean i would say it's it's probably around the same price range of the speed goat and i'm actually have the website pulled up so the speed goat you know runs about i think 140 dollars. the terra ultra is actually a little bit more expensive at 160 so it is a little bit more pricey um but if you do like that responsive feel and you're not someone who likes too much cushion on your shoe i mean man you can't really go wrong with innovates um i've also had other pairs of innovates in the past i had the rocklight g270 i believe I don't think they make that shoe anymore, but it's definitely a little cheaper. I think it runs around 140. Um, but that shoe is also as great. The one thing I would say just about Innovate that you want to be cautious of is uh, if you are running on rocky trails or terrains, um, you're gonna you're gonna feel them a little bit more. It's it's not as cushiony of a ride. Um, but man, I mean, I put 
probably a thousand miles on my last Innovate and there was really no wear and tear. The grip was still great. Um, it's just a very, very reliable shoe. So again, my number one choice would be the Hoka Speed Goat 4 for trail running shoes. Number two choice would be the Innovate Terra Ultra G70. Um, or if you can find it, the Innovate uh, Rocklight G270 is also an excellent shoe. So those are my choice for trail shoes. Now let's get onto road shoes. Now, even if you're a trail runner, like I said before, you're probably going to need a pair of road shoes because A, you're probably not always going to have access to a trail, especially if you're traveling a lot. B, it's good to get road work in, especially if you're doing speed work and any of those things. Or C, if you're just a road runner and you're like, hey, Joe, I was waiting for this. I don't give a shit about the trail. Then bam, this is going to be perfect for you. Um, so the first shoe, uh, my number one choice and the one that I'm currently running in is the Hoka Mach 4. Again, another Hoka picked here. Um, but uh, the Hoka Mach 4 is a deadly comfortable shoe. I mean, it is, it is like the man, it, it fits like a glove when I'm in it. It is just so comfortable and beautiful and man, like it's, it's the same thing with the Speedgoat 4 for me where it's like, it, it's got the cushion, but man, like the cushion doesn't feel like it's moon boots. And there's this beautiful like spring feeling that I get when I run on that shoe um, that just makes me feel like I have more power coming off the ground, um, especially when you're on the road and you're focusing more on speed and like efficiency. And, you know, your your variability is not uh, as drastic as it is on the trail. Um, it just has like such a beautiful feel to it. And that shoe has just been excellent. I put a ton of miles in it. I think over the past two months that I've had the shoe now, and it's holding up excellent and it's super great, super comfortable. Um, I believe it runs around 140. Don't quote me on that. I don't have it pulled up here, unfortunately, um, but it is an excellent, excellent shoe. And uh, again, like I, I highly recommend it for sure. Um, even if you don't like super cushiony shoes. Now my road alternate shoe and the shoe that I, again, was been using for two years um, is the A6 GT 2000. This shoe is a freaking classic. It is super durable, uh, super comfortable, um, a little less cushion than the Hoka uh, Mach 4, but man, like the A6, uh, a6 GT 2000 is an absolute classic. It, it's a beast. It's good on the road and it lasts long. Uh, really nothing too much uh, fancy to say about that. Um, it's just very reliable. I think it's pretty affordable too because um, it runs you at about $100. You can find it. Like I think I got my first pair actually for like $80 and it was like the prior year's model. But man, I ran those shoes into the ground. Like I probably put a thousand miles on those shoes. And then I got another pair the year after and I probably put another thousand miles on those. And that one ran me about like a hundred dollars, but that was like that year's model. So it's, if you're looking for something a little bit more cheaper, because if I'm pulling up like the Hoka Mach 4 price, I know it's definitely a little more pricey. Um, and it runs you at about $130. So, um, not too much pricier. Um, but still, if you're looking to save 30 bucks, like you really can't go wrong with the A6 GT 2000. So um, for road shoes, my number one pick is the Hoka Mach 4, and that's the one I'm currently running in. My number two pick is the A6 GT 2000. Now, I know you're probably thinking, Joe, you know, you've been using Innovate and Hoka, or sorry, Innovate and Asics for two years, and then you made the switch to Hoka. Why did you do that? Well, number one, I'm a big believer in, you know, switching things up and just kind of seeing how things are and, and just trying something new, right? Because, you know, sometimes you, you can get so attached to gear and listen, I'm also in the camp of don't fix with what's broken but I also think like every once in a while it's good to just test the waters and try something out new and maybe something works better than the old thing right um so I decided to take the jump with Hoka just because I have heard such great things about it and wanted a little bit more cushioning in my shoe just because I'd never really tried that out before and it's proven to be very very well so far and I'm very happy with the switch um again I'll kind of give you an update in a in a few months on if I'm still on the Hoka train or not but uh that's just one thing just because I know a lot of people ask me they're like why did you switch when you rave about the other ones and have been with it for so long, um, just because I like to switch it up a little bit every once in a while. Um, but I have a feeling I'll, I'll probably be on the Hoka train for a long time thereafter. So there you have it. So the next item we're going to talk about is a good pair of wool socks. Um, I really like wool socks, and I honestly think they're essential when it comes to running, especially long distance, because 
I think cotton builds up way too much sweat and you get prone to blisters. You get prone to like feet just not feeling great. Um, whereas like wool, I feel like doesn't hold moisture as well. It dries quicker, um, especially if you're out in like uh, adverse conditions. I just love wool and I would consider them an essential when it comes to long distance running. So my top choice for wool socks are darn tough socks. These socks are absolutely incredible. I've been running with them ever since my very first 5k and just absolutely love them. They are freaking awesome. I've never had a problem with them. They last really long. I don't think I've either... I don't think I've had a pair that's ripped either, to be honest. Um, I've lost a pair, unfortunately. Um, but man, I've been running the same pairs uh, for like two years. And I've put miles on those puppies. And they still last strong. They, uh, I've never had a blister in them, which is awesome. Uh, and they're just super great. They're just super, super great shoes. Or sorry, socks, not shoes. Super great socks. Um, so... I suggest Darn Tough uh, as the number one brand for hiking, uh, or, I mean, you can use them for hiking, but running socks. I don't know why I'm getting my words up mixed up here. It's Tuesday night. I've had a very long day. You know how it is. Anyways, uh, Darn Tough, number one choice for socks. Now, in terms of price for those, they do run about $20 a pair, and I know, like, people are like, $20 for a pair of socks? Like I said before, I've had the same socks for two years, no problems, no rips, no blisters, it is worth the investment, trust me. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think Darn Tough also will send you back a free pair if something goes wrong with yours. I think I've heard that before. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I mean, hey, like it is worth the investment for sure. Um, so that is my number one recommended brand, Darn Tough. Number two recommended brand is Smartwool. Now, I've used Smartwool socks several times before just because... Um, I would either be out on a trip somewhere and I forgot my darn tough socks at home. So uh, when I went to the store, all they have was smart wool. Um, and those socks are, are okay. I think they're a little cheaper than darn tough. I think they run about like $18 a pair, $16 a pair, even too. Um, but, uh, and they're pretty good. They they last for a while. You can get a lot of miles out them. They dry really quickly. The only downside I would say to the smart wool socks is I've had almost every one of my pair of my uh, smart wool socks rip at one point. Um, so not, not great on that front. So definitely uh, be cautious with those, but they do run a little cheaper. Again, my suggestion is pay the extra like $6 for, or whatever for darn tough socks or $4. Um, it is so worth it. So, so worth it. But if you're looking for a different option, uh, if you've been using Darn Tough and you're looking for a new Switch, try out Smartwool. Uh, not really my favorite, uh, but again, I said I would give you two options and that would be the option to go with from there. So, uh, number one choice for socks is Darn Tough. Number two choice for socks is Smartwool. Now, the next item is probably the most requested item I got asked about a lot. So I asked on Instagram, hey, I'm doing this episode about gear. And this <laughs> this piece of gear, surprisingly, came in as the number one requested item in here. And that is a hydration vest. What do you use to carry hydration, nutrition when you're out there? That was the biggest uh, ask that I got, which is shocking, really shocking. Uh, I did not expect it. I thought it was going to be shoes or nutrition or anything like that whatever but i guess it's hydration vest so we're gonna give you the people what i want and lucky luckily enough i do consider it an essential item when you're trail running because especially i'm uh, sorry not just trail running but ultra running um because you're usually out there for a long period of time sometimes it's hard to get access to water mid-trail um it's great to have your nutrition on you too um especially if you're running long distances so i consider it an essential for sure now my number one choice and the choice that i've been running with is the uh solomon uh sense pro hydration vest this is the best hydration vest I've ever had in my entire life. And I've gone through many different ones when I'm running, but this one is excellent uh, for several reasons. Number one, incredibly light. Like I was actually running with my friend, Nathan Butler, who actually made this comment about Solomon and it sums up how it feels so well. He was saying, he was like, yeah, I was using, um, I forgot the other brand. I think it was Osprey he was talking about where he's like, yeah, I had like an Osprey. Oh no, it was Nathan ironically enough with his name, he's like, yeah, I had a Nathan vest and you know, you could feel it on there, but like the Solomon vest, it like, 
it is you. And I thought that was so great because like you don't feel the vest at all. Like it literally feels like a second skin, which is so, so nice. Even when you have like a hydration uh, bladder, like in your pack, um, that's huge because you don't want to feel like you're carrying extra weight. You don't want to feel like you're having this like restriction on you where you're like not being able to pump your arms freely. The Solomon Sense Pro, man, it does it right for me. Um, 100%. So I would say for the Solomon Sense Pro, like it is an all-star thing. It also comes with like two um, latex water bottles too that you can have. I don't personally use them. I don't like them. I think they're cheesy. Um, I think they flop around too much. I personally don't use them. Um, I just use the hydration pack in the actual vest, um, but it's great. And you and listen, I always carry my phone, my car keys, sometimes my AirPods, all my nutrition out there. And man, I never feel bogged down. Like that thing is freaking awesome. The the side where I get most contention about it is the price. Um, it does roll you depending on what size you get, right? I like, I think I have like the biggest, uh, one. It's like a, a five liter vest. Um, it came in at about $160. Yes. I know that's like pretty intense in terms of price or anything. Um, but man, this thing's durable. I know someone who's had this vest for three years and he still uses it to this day. Um, and it's super comfortable and that comfort's going to pay off, especially in your ultra distances for sure. Um, so I love the Solomon sense pro and it has all the pockets in the world to even go on like overnight trips. I would even say, to be honest, it's a great, great vest. So the Solomon sense pro, uh, is awesome. Now, if you're looking for a more budget pick, I'll give you one that, uh, I'm actually using again in my, um, if you look at my, uh, or I should say the cover art for the Everyday Ultra Podcast, I'm wearing a different vest. And this is the vest that I was wearing before I switched to the Solomon. And that is a probably no-known brand called Lanzon. Now, Lanzon, if you you can probably find this on Instagram, uh, sorry, not Instagram, on Amazon. That's where I got it. Um, but Lanzon's like one of those like cheap brands that you never even heard of, but they deliver great product or a great product on Amazon, right? Um, so I got the Lanzon two liter hydration pack. Now it's super ridiculously cheap, especially compared to uh, the Solomon. It comes to you at about $28 on Amazon, which is great. Um, the downside is it doesn't come with the bladder. Neither does the Solomon, but the Solomon at least comes with those water bottles. Um, but $28, I mean, it's a huge thing, huge deal. And uh, it'll last you a pretty damn long time, uh, which is great. I had my last Lanzon vest for about a year. Um, and it was great. I mean, I took it on my 50 milers. I took it on my long runs. It was excellent. The only downside is after a year, it will fall apart. Um, there, the reason why I switched to the Solomon was because the pockets were ripping on my lands on and like things were falling out. And like, I had to like carry some things while I was wearing the vest. Um, it doesn't last you a very long time. So definitely, 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 um, you know, keep that in mind. Um, but if you don't have the money to shell out for a Solomon vest, I mean, the lands on two liter hydration pack is incredible. And just to note too, I'm going to link every single product that I mentioned in the show notes too. So you can go ahead and buy it again. These are not like affiliate links. I'm not getting rewarded for any of these. Like, don't worry. Like it, I have no incentive. I just want to help you. So, um, but check out that pack there. Now, in terms of the bladder, I'm going to give you one option and one option only because A, it's cheap. B, it's lasted me my entire ultra running career. And three, I don't think you need to really pay a crazy amount of money for this. Um, and that is the actual bladder that goes in the pack. So I've actually been using the Lanzon bladder um, that usually goes with the pack, but you buy it separately. Um, and man, this thing's excellent. So it's $28, same price as the vest. But man, I've been using the same bladder since I first started running. And it has not failed me yet. I've had no problems with it, no leakage, no uh, issues, no nothing. It is an excellent, excellent bladder. There is no alternative option because this one freaking rocks. It's cheap and it'll last you a long time. Uh, so, and, and it's, uh, the one that I had was three liters. I'm looking at on Amazon right now and I can see that there's only a two liter option. Uh, but still, I mean, I think three liters is excessive. I just like to have more water when I'm out there. So, I mean, teach their own, but man, this thing's freaking great. I suggest that for the bladder as well. So, uh, just to recap the hydration vest scenario, top pick is the Solomon Sense Pro for sure. And then the second pick is the Lanzon two liter hydration pack. And then the bladder, the uh, bladder coming in a top. Actually, I'm looking at Amazon right now. They only have the three liter option. I misspoke. 
three liter blue bladder uh, is the Lanzon hydration bladder, which I will link in there. So there it is, the most requested option. Uh, those are my recommendations there. Highly, highly recommend them both for sure. Now let's get into watches. GPS watches, are they essential? I would say so. Um, yes, you can use your phone. Yes, you can uh, you know, use something else to track your miles out there. But let me just tell you this, like having your phone uh, tracking all of your runs as an ultra runner is setting yourself up for failure for a few reasons. Number one, if you're an ultra runner, you're gonna be out there for a very, very long time and you're gonna need your phone for emergencies. And if you're tracking GPS for 20 freaking miles on your phone, you're gonna drain your battery and you might leave yourself in a position where you're screwed, where if something happens to you out there, you're you're gonna be done. Plus, uh, I know I know this is like the case with Iron Man. I know it's not as with trail racing, but with things like Iron Man, uh, you know, you're you're not going to you're not allowed to have your phone out there. Um, you actually get disqualified for having your phone out there. So um, I don't know. I don't think that's the case with most trail races. Most trail races, you can have your phone out there, but you just want to minimize risk depending on what scenario you're in. So um, I say a GPS watch is essential. And the good thing with this one too is I have a high-end option for the one that I personally use right now. And I also have a very low-end option that's going to work for you as well too. And I know there's a ton of different watch brands out there, a ton of different things. But again, I'm going to give you the suggested ones that I've used and I'm currently using. Um, so you, I can point you in the right direction for sure on a GPS watch that is going to hit your needs Faux show. All right. All right. So the watch that I'm currently using right now and have been using for a year and my favorite watch for sure is the Garmin Forerunner 935. So this watch is in freaking incredible. It's got great battery life. I've never had it die on me in the middle of a run uh, on full charge, which is great. And I can usually go multiple days with multiple runs without having to charge the watch, which is awesome. Uh, I absolutely love that. It, it it's totally reliable because especially when you're in like a 50 mile race or a hundred mile race, you're going to want that watch to stay alive. And, uh, I think battery life more than pays for itself when it comes to a watch. And the, the forerunner 935 from Garmin definitely has that in there. So you really can't get better than that. The cool thing about the 935 too, is that it has such a wide array of like activities on there. So like it has, uh, it has running, it has trail running, it has uh, treadmill running, uh, it has all those things. It has biking, it has mountain biking. Like, And the reason why those specifics are like really, I, I don't think, I think they're more of a nice to have, to be honest, but if you're big into data and you're big into tracking your VO2 max and your splits and everything like that, having that nice option to separate between regular run and trail run tells the system to treat your VO2 max differently, uh, your training status differently, because it knows like on a trail, you're obviously going to be slower than you are on the road. Um, it's going to track incline a lot more on a trail run. Um, it makes the data just a little bit more specific to the sport, which I personally like, and I really underestimated uh, with my prior watch, uh, because I went with a, a prior watch that didn't have those specific features. And uh, I didn't think I would need it. But when I got the watch, like I found so much value in it that I actually got excited about it. And I'm not a big data nerd either like I don't geek out on data um, but I think it's pretty cool to to separate those things out and especially if you're on Strava too uh, it gives you the option to uh, automatically upload into there which is a big plus for the 935 automatically uploads into Strava it's super great if it's not on Strava it didn't happen we all know the rules there uh, but the 935 is excellent now, uh, really cool thing too, side note, if you're into triathlon, the 935 has a triathlon mode in there where basically you don't have to like keep switching the sports when you're in transition, which I know sounds ridiculous, but like, man, saving that every extra minute is great. But I know we don't have a lot of triathletes that listen to this, so not important, but relevant in case you ever wanted to do an Ironman triathlon, anything of that sorts. Um, 935 is perfectly waterproof, uh, super great, never had an issue with uh, water or damage or anything like that. It is just a freaking awesome watch. Now, retail, this watch does come in at $500, so it is a little expensive. However, on Amazon, and I'm looking on Amazon right now, and it's got a steep 46% discount on it for $270. Now, it says limited time deal, but when I got this watch a year ago, that same deal was there, and I see this deal frequently when, when it's on Amazon. So although it's full price of uh, $500, which is a lot of cheddar, 
$270, I've seen that price. That's what I got this watch at um, when it was on a quote-unquote limited time deal on Amazon. It's out there. So just, just keep your eyes out if the deal's not available. Um, it's a, again, I, I, I love this watch. It's totally great. Um, and you get a lot of battery life. It's got great run tracking, great statistics on it. Can't go wrong with the 935 from Garmin. 935 Forerunner, that is, from Garmin. Now, if you're looking for a more budget-friendly option, uh, one that just gets the job done, and you're like, Joe, I don't give a fuck about any of the data. I don't give a fuck about telling my watch whether or not it's a trail run or a road run. Like, I just want it to track miles. That's all I need, and I'm good to go. Uh, my suggestion would be the Garmin Forerunner 35. It's actually the watch that I, the first GPS watch beside an Apple Watch that I started with. I'll get a little bit into the Apple Watch because I know a lot of people say, what about an Apple Watch? Like, is that a good option? I'll give you my take on the Apple Watch, but first let's talk about the Garmin Forerunner 35. Now, this is a very no-frills watch. Um, if you look at it, you can totally see it too. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. It tracks your runs, it tracks your workouts, and then, you know, that's that's pretty much what it does. Uh, sure, it tracks your heart rate and steps as well, but other than that, it, it's not... It's not going to give you the robust data that you're looking for uh, or that you would want from a 935 if that is your thing. But if, again, you just want to log miles and that's it and just track your pace and that's all you need, the, the 35 is great. Uh, and the good news is it comes in at a very relatively affordable price compared to the 935 or other advanced watches out there. So retail, the watch comes in at about $170. Um, but uh, again, Amazon does do very steep discounts on the watch. Right now it has it on a discount at 136. But let me tell you, when I got that same exact watch three years ago, or I should say two years ago, I believe it was, I got it for $99 on Amazon. Um, and you can even get it renewed on Amazon for $99, what I'm looking at right now. But uh, even if you try to get it new, I'm sure it will go lower from there. Um, the one downside I would say with the Forerunner 35 is it will die on you in a 50-mile race. So um, when I had my first 50-mile race, it actually like... So to give you context on the first 50-mile race, it really ended up clocking at around like 52 miles. Um, and it did get me through mile 50... However, it died right before the finish line. So if you're looking for like a hundred mile race or even a hundred K, the 35 is going to die on you. And, uh, I would always usually have to, you know, charge it more frequently than others. So that's probably the downside with the 35, where I think you're going to be able to get more value out of a watch. If you are doing a hundred mile races or hundred K races, if you're paying up a little bit more for the battery life for sure. Um, but again, if you want something, no frills, you don't care too much about the watch, uh, four 35 is a great option. Um, so my top two options are number one, the Garmin Forerunner uh, 935, and then number two, the Garmin Forerunner 35, which is the more budget option there. Now, again, I said I would talk about the Apple Watch because I get a lot of questions about that. I, when I first started running, that's actually what I used. I used the Apple Watch just because I had it uh, even before I was a runner and it tracked my run workouts and I thought it was great. And I was like, all right, I don't need to spend money on a watch. There's two big problems with the Apple Watch. The first thing is the thing is very delicate. Again, you can get like all the screen protectors and everything like that to try and protect it if you fall on a trail run or anything like that. But why pay for an extra case on a watch when you can buy a watch that basically is meant to last and meant to be durable? Like the Apple Watch is not really meant to go out for rugged trail runs. It's really meant to look good and be sleek and all those things. Uh, so that's like problem number one. Problem number two is the battery life sucks on the Apple watch. Like I don't know anyone who's run a 50 mile or a hundred mile race with an Apple watch. If that's you, please send me a message and let me know. Um, but I remember when I would have my Apple watch that thing, I would never go a full day without having to charge it the next day, even if I didn't run. Um, so yeah, that, that's a problem to me. Um, I think battery life is something that is just you should put a premium on when it comes to a watch as i said before the apple watch doesn't do it for me now is the apple watch a great watch for lifestyle absolutely is it a great watch for ultra running no i don't think so at all um that isn't to say if like you have an apple watch and you want to give it a shot go for it i've just had an experience with it and i didn't like it now disclaimer i use the very first edition of the apple watch and it's probably come a long way since then but again i haven't met anyone who has used an apple watch reliably in 50 100 mile races 100k races 200 races 200 mile races um so i would just say like if you're considering a watch 
don't go to the Apple Watch, get a Garmin or even a Coros. I've never tried a Coros, but I've heard great things about it. Um, it's a good option to go to for sure if you're looking for um, a watch that's going to last you, going to track good data, and uh, isn't going to die on you at mile 47 in a 100-mile race for sure. The next item that I would say is absolutely essential in terms of gear if you're going to the ultra endurance sport is a headlamp. Now, whether you're doing a 100-mile race and you're going to be uh, running in the night or you're training for a 100-mile race and you're waking up super early to get your training in or training into the night, you're going to want to need a headlamp because, number one, just doing it on your phone is not a great idea because you're going to drain the battery plus it's kind of awkward and it's just not great so you want to get a good solid headlamp in order to give yourself some visibility when you're out there whether it's in the middle of the race or during training. Now, the headlamp that I use, and I would say is probably one of the best options out there, is the Black Diamond Astro 250 headlamp. Um, it is a beast. This thing shines super, super bright, um, and it's really, really affordable. It's only about $20 at REI, um, which is super, super useful, and the thing lasts for a very, very long time. Uh, I've been using this for about a year now, and it's, it's freaking awesome. I mean, it shines very, very bright. And, uh, it, it can get you through for sure. Um, and I don't even like, I know there's a lot of headlamps that cost a lot more that go a little brighter, but honestly, like this one is just enough light for me where I'm going out and seeing enough when I'm out there. So I think it's a great, great choice and, uh, definitely recommended for sure. Now the alternate option for this is, I would just say like, hey, like, you know, if you really don't want to look to spend $20 or you want something a little cheaper or you're not going to use it as much, you can probably find a good $8 to $9 headlamp on Amazon.com. And the reason why I'm not giving a specific brand is because this is what I used to do in the beginning when I first started getting into ultra running. I bought like, you know, a few $9 headlamps off of uh, Amazon. The problem with those is two things. Number one, they're not going to last very long in terms of charging. And number two, they're not as bright. And I really think you should pay a premium for bright lights, especially if you're doing ultra trail races. And the reason why is because you need to look down and you need to see the ground below you, especially if it's a rocky trail or you're going up inclines or even going downhills, most importantly, you want to be able to see where you're stepping because if you're not, it's going to be a very, very ugly picture and you can not only have a bad fall, but you can actually get injured and take yourself out of the game and, you know, in the horrible cases, something catastrophic can happen. So having that light is super useful. Like, I mean, just unbelievably useful. And so, uh, for again, like $20, uh, black diamond headlight headlamp, you really, really can't go wrong with it. So, um, that would be, I would really urge you to go to with choice number one, um, because you want to get a premium headlamp. And even if you can spend a little bit more money, I would even go for one of the higher powered ones. Um, I just, the reason why I don't suggest that one as my number one is because number one, I've never used one of those, but number two, um, I don't think you need it, um, but I know it gives some people some extra security in order to do so. So if you think you would like more light, I would say paying the premium for more is better. Um, just for me, I found that, that my current headlamp works and I haven't had any issues with it, but um, it is one of those things where it's like, hey, if you have the money, like why not get more visibility out there? Because I say the more visibility that you can get in the dark on an ultra trail run, the better your runs are going to be for sure so headlamp is the next item in that list right there faux show now to keep it going on the essentials we're going to talk about nutrition now i know i did a whole episode on nutrition and i talked about trying things that work for you so take out of all the things that i mentioned down here take this one with the most grain of salt because again your body's going to react to different things and uh, you're going to have to do more trial and error with nutrition than you do with gear um, just because like everybody's body is different and everyone's taste profile is different and all those things as well so for my nutrition when I run, I strictly usually go with Cliff Bars for the most part. Uh, Cliff Bars are super, super great. Uh, they digest well in my stomach. It's like real food. It's not like those gels. Um, and I can run them all day for the most part. Again, like I try and switch it up a little bit. Um, you know, I'll have potato chips or pretzels if it's available. Something salty to like really mix up my palate a lot. Um, but Cliff Bars, man, they're the tried and true thing for me. 
They're super cheap, super inexpensive, and they're super delicious. So um, can't go wrong with the Cliff Bars. My favorite one personally is the Peanut Butter Crunch. I also like the White Chocolate Macadamia. Uh, the Chocolate Chip one kind of sucks, but like, hey, that's in the Costco pack, and that's what you have available, so you got to make with what you have. Um, so I will stomach the Chocolate Chip ones whenever I can. But Cliff Bar is usually my go-to. Now, a question I get too is, what about gels? Now, gels, uh, I do use occasionally. I don't really use them too much just because, like, I'm also in Arizona, so it gets hot, and those gels heat up, and then they get really gross, like, to suck down just gels, like, when it's, like, 100 degrees out, so I try and steer away from them, but my go-to for that would be the Honey Stinger gels. I really like them. I think they taste great. It's got a great honey base, too. It's not just, like, pure sugar, um, whereas, like, honey's the more natural sugar, so I feel like it digests better in my stomach, at least, so I'm a big fan of the Honey Stinger gels. I like the fruit smoothie flavor a lot, uh, which is just great, um, but again, I use those far and few in between. I used them mostly when I was on the bike, um, just because they were easier to eat than, like, a Cliff Bar, um, but I don't use them too, too often, um, but I I know some people do like to use the gels, so that's the option that I would go to. Now, do I have alternate options for nutrition? Yes, absolutely. Um, so on the gel side, uh, I would say uh, Cliff Blocks are a good option. Now, I've been personally scarred by Cliff Blocks. I can't ever stomach them again, um, but I used them for two years in my first uh, years of ultra racing, and that was like all I would eat on a run, and honestly, they did great. I just got sick of them over a while. Like, I can't like it, it almost like makes me want to throw up just thinking about eating another cliff block. So, um, and that's going to happen with nutrition. Like I'm sure I'm going to get the same way with cliff bars, like down the road. Um, but if you're looking for an alternative to the honey stinger, the cliff blocks are usually pretty good as well. And it kind of switches up. It's not really like a gel. It's like a gummy, uh, which is super nice as well. Now on the nutrition, if you don't want cliff bars, I suggest RX bars. Now the problem with RX bars is it doesn't have as high of a carbohydrate count for uh, as many calories as you get in. So you do get a little bit less carbs on there, um, but it is more natural. It's got more natural ingredients. It doesn't have as much added sugar. I don't think it has actually any added sugar, which is a total bonus for you. Um, but I've used RX bars on runs before and they usually help, um, but uh, they do range a little bit more pricier than Cliff Bars for sure. Um, but that's just an alternative option for you. So again, uh, oh, and then my alternative for gels, I'm just bouncing all over the place here, but I'll go back to the alternative on gels. I really like the goo gels, the GU classic goo gels. Um, they got a lot of fun flavors, um, pretty simple ingredients for the most part, nothing like too junky. Um, but again, not the biggest fan on gels. Some people are. Uh, if you do, the goose is a good alternative choice. So for nutrition, my top choice is Cliff Bar. Second choice, a shout out for would be an RX Bar. Number three uh, <laughs> for gels, I should say, uh, is Honey Stingers are my fave. And then the alternative is Goose. So all of them run around the same price. Uh, and really in nutrition, like they're really all going to be around the same price. So uh, that's just definitely something... Uh, not too much consideration with that. Now, let's just talk about hydration and electrolytes because these are an absolute essential when you're out there. You need to have electrolytes. You need to be uh, get that sodium in there and your potassium and your magnesium or else you're going to get a lot of problems. Uh, hydration is a huge piece when it comes to ultra running and electrolytes are a big part of that because you're going to be sweating a lot. You're going to be losing a lot of sodium. You're going to be needing to regulate your body a lot and electrolytes will help you to do that uh, and they're going to prevent you from bonking and cramping. Uh, man, you don't want a muscle cramp when you're out there. Let me tell you, I used to get calf cramps so bad because I, my electrolyte strategy was miserable. Um, but uh, these are my approaches for that. So my number one pick, and I'm actually going to give you three picks on here because I think there's three choices that are great for you. The first one is noon. The reason why I like noon is it's very low in sugar. It's uh, pretty natural ingredients for the most part, and uh, it's it's relatively affordable compared to other electrolyte substances out there without having too much sugar. And they have very delicious flavors out there. And you can find noon like almost anywhere, Walmart, Target, REI, anywhere they have it. Uh, noon is excellent. My favorite flavor of the noon tablet is a strawberry lemonade. Um, man, that, that one's a classic. I absolutely love it. I usually pop in two noon tablets. Um, 
every time I go out for a run in my two liter hydration pack. And that usually gets me about like 600 milligrams of sodium and a decent amount of potassium and uh, some magnesium as well. So noon is a great, great option. And they're really cheap. I think they come in at like $8 a tube and you get like, I think 12 uh, capsules in there, which is super, super nice. Um, so noon all the way for sure. Now, the second option is Element, L-M-N-T. Now, L-M-N-T Element is basically like pure salt for the most part, but it also has uh, the added benefits of like potassium and magnesium and kind of all these other things in there. It's branded as like a paleo and keto kind of version of electrolytes, um, but it's super tasty and super natural and doesn't have like any processed junk in there. Um, I like the salted watermelon that they have. It's it's super, super good and tasty. Um, the only downside with Element is it is a little bit more pricier than noon. You are paying a little bit more of a premium, but I understand some people can't tolerate the extra ingredients or they're on a low carb lifestyle. Um, if you are in a low carb lifestyle and that's the kind of running that you do, LMNT Element is a perfect choice for you. Um, Whereas I think noon has a little bit more carbohydrates than uh, than Element does. So that would be my number two. But I also mentioned I have a number three pick. And it's actually not something that you put in water at all. I mean, I think you can put it in water, but I don't know why you would. And I don't think anyone has. And that is base salt. So B-A-S-E salt. Um, so basically, it, it is like pure salt, but it's got like a little ad added electro, uh added electrolytes in there, which can be super helpful for you when you're out there. And these are really, really good to not just have as your primary source of electrolytes, but to also supplement on top of the noon tablets or element if you're using that as well. Because what it is and what I usually use it in a form is, is you use like a tube and it kind of looks like a chapstick tube, um, but you pop it open and when you're in the middle of a run, you lick your palm uh, just like a tequila shot and you, you pour the salt on there and then you just lick the salt off. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great way to just get supplemental electrolytes. It's super easy to carry. You get this snazzy little tube. It tastes like salt. Um, no way about it. Like the salt, honestly, the taste, it doesn't get a high, high mark for that at all. Um, but I've found that it's really, really great to get some electrolytes too. And it also kind of wakes you up because it's like, it's an intense salt flavor that, um, wakes you up for sure. So if you're out there struggling on an ultra and you need to wake up, taking a hit of base salt, man, that thing will get you right back in action. So uh, I think it's like $20 for a container and man, that thing will last you a long freaking time. Um, so I really like base salt as well. So my three options for electrolytes would be number one is noon. Number two is element, LMNT. And then number three is uh, base salt. And I really don't think you can go wrong with any of those options. I wouldn't say like number one, number two, number three, like ranked, just giving you three options of what I think is the best for those. Now, in terms of some other supplemental stuff that aren't necessarily essential, I would say, but definitely very useful, I will give those things out there very briefly. Number one, trekking poles. Now, I personally, I actually haven't even gone on a run with trekking poles yet, um, but I have heard some great things about it, which I'm going to share on here. And I actually have a pair of trekking poles that I was gifted. I haven't used them yet, um, but they were the ones that I've heard the most benefits about. And that is the uh, Black Diamond Ultralight um, trekking poles. Um, so these uh, I'm gonna be using in my 100 mile race coming up in April. Um, and they're super light, super portable, uh, portable, I should say, easy to carry, um, and just overall not going to bog you down when you're out there, at least from what I've heard from people who have used it in the past before and the product reviews I've seen. Again, take it with a grain of salt because I haven't been out there using it yet, but those are the poles that I own and heard great things about, hence why I'm going to go out and run with them on my race as well. Now, are they essential? Um... TBD. I mean, I've heard some people do 100 miles with them. Some people do 100 miles without them. I would say for like super rocky ultras and mountainous stuff, yes, probably essential. Um, but like I've seen people do them without them. So it's a nice to have, I would say for now. So um, yeah, th that would be the number one option is the Black Diamond um, ultralight poles. Those will get you through for sure. Now the alternative, again, I haven't hiked with poles, but I know uh, a lot of people like the lucky poles. I think those are, uh, those sound like a good option. I know Courtney Dowalter is sponsored by them and she uses them uh, and they got a lot of good traction with them too. Um, they are a little bit more durable, a little less lightweight than the, uh, than the black diamonds. Um, 
but definitely a good good brand to have in there so uh number one is black diamond number two is lucky and those are trekking poles now the next non-essential but probably nice to have item and people would probably argue that this is an essential item i totally understand uh would be uh like having some sort of like anti-chafe cream um now i would say probably in the 100 miles probably essential um but uh i've seen people like do like pam and like butter and like all this crazy crap that you don't need for anti-chafe cream which is why i don't suggest it as like an essential because some people use vaseline right they use they don't use anti-chafe cream they use other things for this so that's why i'm not looping it in essential but my go-to has been body glide and i've been using that ever since i started um i used to actually have horrible chafing problems in my inner thighs like my first uh, ultra marathon i probably got rid of all the skin in my inner thighs and it was the most painful experience of my life so uh i decided to use body glide and i've never had that issue since um the alternative and i've never used it but i've heard a lot of great things is squirrels nut butter um a lot of people use it uh it's super natural and uh it's got a lot of good endorsements from some great athletes uh, who we've even had on the show here so squirrels nut butter would be the alternative in there and then the third alternative is what i mentioned before is using vaseline or pam or any of those kind of things that are going to uh you know get you all nice and lubed up so you're not going to be chafe city out there for sure so um those would be my options for the anti-chafe uh departments for sure so that's pretty much it folks i mean i know like ultra running can seem like you can you need like a ton of gear on and like a ton of different things but those would be like my essential items of what i would recommend if you're going to really dive into the sport of ultra running, um, because you're going to need all those things, um, with again, a couple nice to haves that I inserted in there. And I know that there's a ton of brands out there and I'm hoping that I pointed you in the right direction of what to try next or what to test out or anything like that. So you can get, uh, out on the trails and not have to worry about all the trial and error out there. I hope this helped for you. Now, as I mentioned before, all of the links to every single one of these products will be in the show notes. So if you are interested in looking at them, checking them out, or even buying them, uh, go ahead and check out the show notes. Again, I receive no financial compensation from any of the recommendations that I have in there. I'm only here to help you, and I want you to be able to get the most out of your experience ultra running with good gear. And that's why I'm here providing this episode. If I did miss something in here in terms of gear, please let me know. Reach out to me at Joe Corsione on Instagram. That's at J-O-E-C-O-R-C-I-O-N-E. And I'll be more than happy to give you my recommendation and also slap myself in the face for forgetting it in this podcast. I'm sure there's probably one or two items of gear that I might have forgot. But regardless, um, these were all the essentials that came to mind when I sat down and said, hey, what are the things I absolutely need when I'm out there? So... Anyways, those are my recommendations for your gear for ultra running. Let me know what you think of the episode. If you have any other topics or recommendations, let me know as well. Reach out to me on Instagram. We'll be happy to put it in there. But regardless, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. Lots more great episodes to come in the future for sure. And I can't wait to have you along for this ride. Remember, my friends, be a better endurance athlete every single day. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Everyday ultra podcast take care